1: It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans, after all, it's only pressure, you got this, Adidas. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Met Crispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
0: of a detour. Welcome to the Bike Rider Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRider.com, Cycling Plus and MBUK Magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Hello, welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. My name is Tom Marvin, and I'm a senior technical editor here at BikeRadar.com and MBUK as well. Joining me in the podcast studio today, we have two other of our senior technical editors. First up, we've got Warren Roster. He takes charge of our curly barred road and gravel bikes. How are you getting on, Warren? I'm very good, thanks, mate. Excellent. And Al Evans on a on a rare trip to Bristol, all the way from the heady heights of Scotland. How are you doing today, Al?
2: I'm great, thanks, Tom. Yeah, and it is worth you know just worth saying uh, it's a full house, full house of senior technical editors. It is. Um, but Warren is undoubtedly the most senior,
0: the seniorest of the seniors. Al, what have you been doing? I know you've been writing something very secret and exciting that you can't talk about. So, what else have you been doing? Yeah, that exactly.
2: I've <laughs> uh, been been writing lo- loads of things. There's there's some good stuff on the horizon. Mm. Let, let's put it that way.
0: I think you've got a you've got a solid six months of testing coming up on one particular product that's going to be very exciting to see next year.
2: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. This is like a, a child in a in a candy shop. Ooh. A sweet shop if you're from from the united kingdom um yeah and and then also j- just some some closer up things as well there's a couple of bikes coming down the line um yeah genuinely excited yeah really excited good stuff it's yeah. gonna be a fun winter uh, and
0: then we'll be cracking on a bike of the year but we won't talk about that for as long as possible <laughs> uh warren how about you what have you been up to
1: um i've been working on a uh, uh, a piece uh, comparing the two most affordable electronic group sets out there, so okay. that's Rival Axis versus 105 Di2. Um, that's been quite an interesting revisiting both of those and um, spending some time riding those. Aside from that, I am doing a gravel bike test at the minute, um, which is around 2000 to £2,500, so it's that kind of mm-hmm. core price point thing. It's a really interesting... Diversity in mm-hmm. those. And um, aside from that, I've been spending far too much time riding an eBMX.
0: Lovely. I've, I've been hearing stories about this. You've been enjoying <laughs> yeah. yourself?
1: I have been enjoying myself on that.
0: Yeah. Excellent. It looks like a bit of a mix between a BMX and a chopper with its long seat.
1: Yeah, the long seat's basically there just to hide the battery,
0: uh... yeah,
1: which is kind of cool. But the long seat's actually quite good. It's yeah. it, it, just for like just cruising around and stuff like that. But I did take it to a skate park and had quite a bit of fun with it. A few it.
0: tail whips, maybe backflip or two. It's quite heavy, in hands.
1: quite heavy to do anything with like that. It? it was just a, a lot of carving around. And then, um, you know, pretending I
0: was less than half my age. Excellent. There was a cool picture on bike radar of that actually I was really impressed. <laughs> was <good>. Yeah, <laughs> it fun.
2: Riding right that concrete wave. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, beautiful. What about you, Tom? I-, I know you've been doing
0: something that you you love doing. Oh, I've been living the dream. Yeah. No, it's been all right. I'm I'm doing the MBK brakes test. I have talked about it before on the podcast, but it is. Um I'd sort of been talking about it sort of in the future when I wasn't actually doing it and pretending I had been doing it. and now I'm actually doing it um and my life is ever more difficult for the for doing it um I done my brake I, I bedded in twenty four brake pads sets of brake pads and rotors um but i I realized I could do that in my cul-de-sac at home with my speaker playing some music and it took from i set started at just about ten thirty in the morning and i finished at seven p m. Um, I had some lunch. There's a lot of like faffing because like, I did it on an e-bike. So I had to take breaks off and, and route them and reroute them and rotors and pads. And it was it blew my mind a little bit. I had a bit of lunch in the middle of the day. I've got lovely neighbours. and My neighbours love coming out when I'm doing stuff outside and having a chat. Um, but one of them stayed out for the best part of two and a half hours while I was finishing off. Bought me cups of tea, uh, little like cereal bars. He chatted about stuff. He, he imparted his technical knowledge. He's an engineer for Rolls-Royce or BAE, one of those two. He imparted his technical knowledge and opinions on the finish of certain brakes, which he was Ooh, more or less scathing off with. Some of them he was like, oh, why well, have they done that? Mm. Um, um, but I learned quite a lot just whizzing up and down a cul-de-sac on a knee bike bedding the brakes in. Uh, and then I went to a hill, a uh, hill and rode down it from set points into my brake distance testing and um, repeated uh, stops with just the front brake. Um, and again, I actually learned a lot from that. Like, I kind of feel that I could probably just write my reviews now, but I am actually not going to. I'm going to hey, go and ride them all again. Good joke. A more. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm going to learn much more. No, no, it's, it's been quite interesting. Yeah, on the brakes front, I just got
1: delivered a set of the new absolute Bra- black brake pads, which oh, right. are graphene infused oh crikey and the data that they sent with them the actual sort of heat management and the uh-huh. the extension before they drop off mm-hmm. um looks really really impressive so oh, okay i need to get those on a bike yeah and, uh, see how they fare
2: interesting i think yeah. uh Good not, graphene's claimed to be a bit of a wonder product isn't it it's in quite everywhere. a few products here, yeah, like tires batteries and chains chain lube, chain lubes, yeah brake pads one thing i did notice which
0: um i hadn't really sort of appreciated was the the new sram hs2 rotors good aren't they my like so the bike that i've been testing the brakes on has a set of code r brakes and i have a fresh set of code r brakes for my test but with the hs2 rotors and the difference and okay like you know they're not the same brake and some have been used more than others but bloody hell like those code r's with those rotors they're punchy like i was i was you know I can't pull like wheelies and and stoppies and all that sort of stuff. I ended up pulling stoppies all the left, right, and centre by mistake. So much power,
2: amazing,
0: great story, beautiful, Tom. yeah, cool. Cheers for that, Tom. Speaking of e-bikes, oh my God, that was an unintentional segue. We oui. we're going to talk about e-bikes today. Um, we're going to sort of present like a little buyer's guide, I guess, to e-bikes, um, which is why we've got. Um, Warren and Alex uh, in the studio today because both of you guys have tested extensively a wide range of e-bikes. Alex obviously more on the mountain bike side of things and Warren has done an awful lot of e-road, e-gravel and e-commuter bikes so between the two of you you've tested pretty much I reckon every motor system on the market, every sort of positioning of the motors whether it's BB front or rear hubs all that sort of stuff. So we're going to talk about Everything to do with e-bikes, hopefully in a fairly compact and concise manner.
2: <laughs> please. Because <laughs> we uh, have please.
0: other podcasts to record and I've got uh, videos to record. <laughs> I'm going to be hurrying you both along with pointed looks. I um, mean, I-, I will just say, Tom, you're the one who's spoken the most so I far. I have waffled <laughs> extensively about dis-prick. It's only because I'm passionate. <laughs> Aren't we all? Aren't we all? Passionate <laughs> about cycling. Right, let's let's crack on. Let's very quickly, though, talk about what is, on a, on a very broad level, what's an e-bike? How do they work? Um, and what are we looking at when we're looking for e-bikes? Warren, what's an e-bike?
1: Uh, quite simply, it's a it's a bike equipped with an electric motor system that assists your pedaling. And that's, yeah. the, that's the actual fact. It assists your pedaling. It's it not in place of.
0: Okay. So we're going to be talking about bikes which don't have throttles um, because you have to pedal and they assist your pedaling.
2: Okay. Absolutely. Uh, it is worth maybe just saying as like a little caveat some uh, throttle e-bikes are actually legal. Yes. Like they are road legal and there's a speed limit, there's a power output limit, there's all sorts of limits that dictates, mm-hmm. you know, the legality of them. Mm-hmm. But some of them are. So, you know, if you're looking at a throttle e-bike, just be super careful.
0: Yeah. Yeah, be very careful and don't use them
1: on public roads. I mean on the on the urban side of things, you know, there a lot of a lot of e-bikes out there now have you could call it a throttle but it's more just like a start assist so uh-huh. it, it's kind of it gets you away from the lights quicker it, it's that little bit of a kick at the start of a hill you know but they're not kind of full on open mm-hmm. out you know they they tend to cut off below like 10 miles an hour
0: um so the technical term i think for those bikes that assist is is, is it a pedelec yeah. is that alright that's the right sort of system so um and in the uk Obviously, rules differ across the world. Um, but in the UK, we're talking about ones which have like a 250-watt continual power output as like the max, although they can peak higher than that. Um, and they cut out at 25 kilometers an hour or 15 and a half miles an hour, um, beyond which they don't offer any assistance because that's the law.
2: Yeah, and that's the same in Europe as well, European countries, I believe. Yeah, I think yeah
1: that's, U- that's the EU laws. Yeah. That's the EU yeah. law.
2: And in the United States, I believe it's 19 miles an hour, I want to say okay something like that yeah a little bit higher around, isn't around it? 19 or 20 yeah. yeah
0: yeah um and in the in the europe there are there's a different sector of bikes especially in germany which can do 45 kph yeah, speed, speed pedelecs yeah speed pedelecs yeah. but for those
1: you need insurance and identification on them
2: okay
0: so what are the basic components that go into an e-bike then alex what are the what are the difference i think there's like five different things that are in every e-bike
2: well, let's start with the most obvious, right? It's the motor. Yeah. Okay. And this is what provides the power, the assistance, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's an electric it's an electric motor just in the same way there'd be one in your washing machine and mm-hmm. I mean to an extent electric cars these days, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, it's an electric motor. They're relatively compact on e-bikes. They are located in three different places currently. Mm-hmm. You can have one on your front hub, one at your bottom bracket, and one by your rear hub or instead of your rear hub. This is where we're finding motors in the most common places. Mm-hmm. There's the battery, which is how the motors are powered. Um, mo- the batteries can be fit in loads of different locations. The most obvious is the down tube. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of the more expensive, the more refined the bike is, you'll find that the batteries are actually housed within the bike's down tube rather than sitting on top of it or sitting on top of the pannier or you know, looking a little more exposed or less um, refined, shall we say. Yep. Um, the torque sensor, now this is a sensor inside the motor, and this senses how hard the rider is pedalling. And this allows the computer software um, in the ECU, the electronic control unit, uh, to to dictate how much power to the, of the motor to, to give, basically, to mm-hmm. give its rider.
0: And usually it's a percentage of what you put in, right? Exactly, so that, that's how they quantify it. if 100 watts of pedal, it'll give somewhere between, say, if it's 20% assistance on like an eco mode, it might give you 120% of what you're putting in. And if it's on boost or power or whatever it might be, it might be twice as much as you're putting in.
2: Yeah, if, if not more, I think 400, 450% is what the, right. the most powerful are currently. So, you know, you put in 100 watts, it's going to give you 400. Well, it won't because it'll cut out on 250. Yeah, will it? We'll, we'll get onto this oh. later. This is This is where some of them can be a bit cheeky. Um, Obviously, you've got the the controller or the displays. Now, the controller is generally bar-mounted by the handlebar grips, either the left or right-hand side. Most frequently, it's on the left. I'm not sure I've actually ridden an e-bike with one on the right-hand side in recent times. Uh, And there will also be a display. Um, This is sometimes inbuilt into the frame, sometimes LEDs on the controller, or even a dedicated full-on display uh, such as Bosch systems on the handlebars. Uh, And finally, you have things like smartphone apps where you can see um, like data statistics for your rides. I know Bosch's smartphone app, which I think is called the e-bike flow app, I believe is the correct terminology, actually records your rides for you. You can do things like set range, same with a specialized mission control one. You can say, I want to ride to this destination and the bike Mm. then changes modes depending on how much battery you've got left, what the elevation is, et cetera, et cetera. Very clever. Um, and they also let you customize power outputs. Um, so the Shimano one's pretty good at this. Quite specifically, you know, you've got sliders. You can set your torque, your power, how mm-hmm. hard it comes on, and how quickly.
0: Okay, There's plenty of plenty of stuff to play around with if you want to, because they all have base settings that, generally speaking, I mean, they will all work pretty well. But you, some of them give you that tweakability. ability. Um, and certainly on the mountain bike side of those, and i, I guess on the road as well. Um, Warren, I'm going off script, so I apologize for this. What are the key numbers that you need to um, be aware of? So uh, Alex mentioned there things like torque and power, and we've talked about watts. So do you want to go through sort of you know what when we're looking at the batteries, what what we're looking at there, the watt hours, and, and yeah, the talks, what to expect?
1: Yeah, I mean you know on a on a battery, the sort of the what the what hour rating normally gives you a rough idea on range. You know mm-hmm. you'll find. I think, you know, the probably the base setting for most bikes is probably 500 watt hours. And then you're looking probably at a range 40, 50 miles, you know, depending on the bike, depending on the rider, depending on topography all mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Um, when you're looking at the, some of the more lightweight systems that you'll find on some urban bikes and especially road bikes, that battery can be a lot smaller. You know, if you're looking at something like Mahler's um, e-bike motion system, um, you're looking at around three seventy-five mm-hmm. watt hours, but then they can they also will sell sell you like a a, a backup and an a, range, a range extender and everything. But those because you're dealing with a lighter system, you're traveling at faster speeds. The ranges tend to be very very close. Mm-hmm. You know, I know on e-mountain boats you can get like an Enduro battery, which is much bigger than a five hundred. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, motors. I mean, pretty much every motor out there will say it's 250 watt because that's what it is. I mean, I don't think I've ever come across any, many that are actually less than that. Mm-hmm. There's quite a few that seem to be sneaking onto the market now, which seem to be getting away with a lot bigger. Okay. But they are artificially restricted to 250. Right. Um
2: so I, th- I think the way that works i had the the bosch guys explain this to me was that the the nominal power over a period of time must not yeah. exceed 250 watts
1: mm-hmm. yeah. but it can peak much but the peak yeah. can be a lot
2: harder. so so you know like like warren said when you have your throttle to get you going and mm-hmm. the traffic lights or whatever you know say you don't have that and you do your initial pedal stroke at the traffic light maybe it's giving you 600 watts but All only right. for like half a second yeah. just to get you going yeah and then it will yeah, it's back like when it's right when
1: it's, back yeah, down. Literally when it's evened out over time. Yeah. I mean, there's a, the, the the bike that I um commuted on yeah. today, um, because I did a uh, rare for me, actually mixed mode. So I oh. did I did bike and train just because the weather was so terrible mm. when I left home. And this is a little tiny E folding bike, um, little British brand uh My Rider. And the the, the colour display on that actually shows you what the motor's putting out and what you're putting mm. out. And I was I was playing around with it today, knowing we were gonna do this podcast. So I did a couple of off the lights bits in um coming across Bristol and and it was putting out like four seventy. Oh, okay. You know, just to zip me right up there. But it literally it does that until you get to like eight miles an hour, then cuts. Right, okay. You know, and then uh, and then normally it's sitting way below the, the actual max two fifty yeah. when you're just normally pedaling it. You know, it's um a lot of the thing with a lot of the e-bikes out there, it's a bit we're sort of in the wild west
0: bit of smoke and mirrors going on
1: there is there is i mean i've had a few recently from some smaller brands where um i mean one very recently where within three button presses of the of the system information you could get in and change all the settings so whereas it mm. normally is limited to 15 miles an hour which is mm. the law um i was actually riding it in a bit of sort of gravel environment
0: on private land
1: yeah well you know uh not on the not on a highway and um, I could set the, the speed limit on it to 41 miles an hour. Heck. And it did Heck. it. Heck. <laughs> 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 uh, and it did it. You know, and That, right. that was the scariest thing. That it, oh, actually but it was, was terrifying. Doing. Yeah, yeah. And I quickly turned that saying off.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
2: <laughs> that's, that is very fast to be riding a bicycle. Well,
1: it's very fast to be riding what's well, effectively a folding
0: bike with 16-inch wheels. Oh, God, yeah. Let's not, <laughs> not go there. Great um, for the
2: traffic light Grand Prix, though. <laughs> if, if those traffic lights were on a private road. On a private
0: road. Yeah. The, the other number that maybe doesn't get talked about quite so much but probably is certainly on the mountain bike side of things maybe on the road as well that is potentially more important is a torque from the motor oh. it's very easy for everyone to rattle on about 250 watts or 300 watts but actually what makes a difference in my opinion at least is torque um, does one of you guys want to sort of talk us through
2: the torque so the, the torque according to Mr Newton because it's measured in Newton meters mm. it's the amount of twisting or rotational force that the motor can can give basically um, so the higher the torque figure, the the more twist you've got. Um, and the way that that's beneficial is at lower cadences, you know, say you're bogging down on a really steep climb and you're not maybe putting in lots of effort for whatever reason that might be. The motor's got loads of torque. It's going to pull you up. It's mm-hmm. going to winch you up the hill. Whereas power is more at the top end, mm-hmm. um, so higher torque basically makes the motor feel punchier.
0: Okay, and what what torque numbers are we like? Say you're going to go buy a bike and you see it says, "Oh, I've got this has got 60 newton meters of torque. Is that good? Is that not?"
2: So 60 newton meters is, is kind of like a, a middle ground it's very at average, the moment. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's a, so that's the um, Shimano's EP8 um, RS motor which is their detuned EP8 mm-hmm. that's in the Orbea Rise. That has around 60 newton metres. Right. And so does um, the as new as Trek. the Ride 60. The Ride 60 and also the new Trek. The TQ. The TQ motor, exactly. Okay. That has and around they're 60.
0: lighter weight ones.
2: But those are in sort of like the lighter weight systems. They're probably called mid-weight. Mid-weight systems. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and then at the higher end of the scale, um, you've got, like, the, the Shimano standard EPA is 85 newton mm-hmm. metres. The Bosch is also 85 newton mm-hmm. metres. And the Brose motor fitted to the full-fat specialised bikes, that's uh, 90 or 95 from memory.
0: So fairly punchy in that, yeah. in comparative speak to the detuned eight, for yeah, example. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Really chunky. I mean, to put that in perspective, um, I'm pretty confident my van mm-hmm. has 400 newton metres of torque. Oh, right. So 90
0: Stick is quite a four lot. Bosch. Stick four browsers on and you've got a Volkswagen Caddy.
2: Transporter. Transporter even. Yeah. Heck. Yeah. All right, I think, I believe. No, no, no. I, I will Google that just really quickly and come back to you, but I'm pretty sure. While you Google that, Warren, talk
0: us through um, road and gravel torque numbers.
1: Well, I mean, obviously there are quite a few bikes out there that, that share share systems, yeah. you know, especially on the gravel side where you're not necessarily dealing with the same sort of concerns about keeping it lightweight, mm-hmm. you know. So, so I, you know, there are a fair few highly regarded gravel e-bikes out there that use Bosch, for instance, right, okay. you know, with a Performance CX on it, yeah. which is obviously mountain bike-derived. But then some of the lighter systems, you know, particular, you know, something like Marla. so that's what originally was the e-bike motion. Mm. Their original X35, which is a rear hub motor, had around sort of 50 newton metres of torque. Okay. But it feels a lot punchier than that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 'Cause it's actually just driving direct from the from the rear wheel. Mm-hmm. Um so you get this kind of almost like surging push. You know, it's like somebody, you know, putting a gentle hand on your back when mm-hmm. you're going uphill and just giving you a little nudge up. And then the latest Marlis system, which is the X twenty, which is significantly smaller, lighter, but puts out more torque, so it's closer to sixty now. That you know, that that has more than enough power to to see what You know, I rode it recently in, in Switzerland um on a new BMC mm-hmm. uh and rode effectively stage two of the tour of Switzerland on it right you know, including like three you know HC climbs mm-hmm. and it was impressive
0: mm-hmm. okay all right um Al how many talks has your transport got Yeah, it's got, it's got 400 it's got 400 got... so
2: so you put that in perspective it, it's got 174 horsepower right. or 128 kilowatts but 400 newton meters of torque. Okay. So an e-bike motor, you know, is going to have way less power. I think
0: like an e-bike motor is about. I worked out it's about a third of a horsepower. Okay. Is 250 watts there? Or thereabouts. Okay. Don't quote me on that.
2: But. Yeah. So 128 kilowatts. That's 128,000 watts. Yeah. Of power, but 400 newton meters of torque. So e-bike motors, pretty torquey. Pretty torque. Talk- yeah. Yeah. Pretty efficient. Yeah. I think it's pretty the- yeah. efficient. Yeah. So wow. that's impressive stuff.
0: All right, let's 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 move on. Um, so we, we have briefly talked about this, um, but should we very quickly go through where motors might be mounted and their associated pros and cons from um, road, gravel, commuting, I think it's really important to touch on, uh, and mountain bike as well. So um, I think it's fair to say that there are relatively few systems which use the front wheel, a front hub mounted motor. There's not many of them about, certainly not off-road. But on road, is it how much? And then why Why not maybe as well?
1: Uh, well, you know, in, in my experience, there are a few out there. You know, there's um,
0: the best known, maybe the switch system, which is like a well, bolt it's, it's, on.
1: It's the conversion systems are all yeah. are all front. Yeah. Pretty much all front wheel mounted. There are a few crank based ones, which. Um,
0: Bafang, for yeah, example, yeah, which is yeah. well regarded. Yeah. Um,
1: but uh, for actual complete bikes, I think there's Van Vanmoof, um, you know, like funky designed Dutch mm-hmm. e-bikes. Um Obviously, you know, uh, things like the Brompton um, is front-wheel drive, effectively. And I would say that they're fine until you probably take them out of their comfort zone. Right. So I've found with a lot of front-wheel drive systems, especially with a small-wheel bike, mm-hmm. because your right position ends up being set fairly back, so the steering's fairly light, if you mm-hmm. hit an incline, you can get wheel spin yeah especially on like front,
0: front wheel wheel spin you know, is exactly what you want yeah
1: and it, it sounds it is, awesome <laughs> it's kind of you know it's quite it can be quite sketchy yeah but yeah so so mainly you'll see with a, with the a front wheel front wheel drive systems they are conversion kits okay you know um which i have a bit of a kind of thing because they're you know um if you convert a bike to an e-bike you're not going to take it back you know it's not mm-hmm. going to be it's not revert you know it's not easily reversible mm-hmm. yeah so so front front drive systems tends to be more affordable uh huh. At, at kind of at the lower end, and and as I say, yeah, converting conversion kits.
0: Yeah. Okay. Mid-mounted ones, then. Let's talk about those because those—that's the bulk on across across the scene, right? Yeah. yeah. So they um, they sit around the bottom bracket. Your cranks generally sort of drive straight into. Then you have a regular drivetrain to the rear wheel, but the crank is effectively pushed around by the motor. Yeah,
1: yeah there's certainly that's the biggest chunk of the market because you know Bosch, Shimano, Fazua, Bros. Specialised owned system, Yamaha, TQ, TQ, which is obviously a new one on the market, you know, they they're all, yeah, all mid mount. Um I said the the positives are that oh, you get you just get a standard drivetrain. Mm-hmm. Um there's no fuss around rear wheel mem- removal, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. because you know, it's just a rear wheel. Um downside I would say is weight. Okay. They you know, this is from the from a road, yeah, the road perspective, it tends to be a lot, lot heavier. Right. Um and it's really where a bike starts looking a lot less like a bike is mm-hmm. when you look at a mid-mount system with mm-hmm. a big oversized down tube, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think, you know, obviously the applications are different on a mountain bike. Um, positives on a mid-mount system is weight distribution is really good. Mm-hmm. You know, weight's quite low down and it's central on the bike, so you're not ending up like fishtailing or front wheel spin, yeah. et cetera.
2: Yeah. And it keeps the, um, keeps the, the rotational weight of the wheels down as well. So you're taking, you know, if you have a a hub mounted motor on a mountain bike, you're going to influence things like your suspension grip, how the bike Mm -hmm. handles the way it feels. So if you put it on the mainframe, which is where the, you know, the suspended weight is and, you know, like says the the bottom brackets, the lowest point. So Mm -hmm. you're getting your weight as low as possible, which is also really helpful. Um, you know that there are very few disadvantages to a uh, bottom bracket or mid-mounted motor Mm -hmm. on a mountain bike Um, you know the integration of the battery no cables all that kind of stuff Um, much cleaner yeah way cleaner and then and it's
0: pretty much the only system these days there aren't really very few you might see occasional like fairly niche i've seen the odd fat bike maybe with yeah the... and,
2: and, and maybe some cheaper ones i think um carreras subway mm. which is like a a, a budget e-mountain bike slash commuter really yeah. i think that uses a hub a hub driven mm-hmm. rear hub driven motor
0: well let's let's talk hub um motors then ros what's the deal with those at the back
1: well yeah quite simple you know it's a hub 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 system you know it still works off a uh most of them still work with a crank sensor so that's,
0: that was my next question yeah so they so take input from the crank and then convert it to a yeah hour and hour it's, hour it's
1: driving it it's driving at the rear wheel they tend to be aimed more a kind of on a road a kind of more sporty okay. kind of application you can see them on a lot of fast road bikes something like you know scott addict eRide. ride mm-hmm. um the last generation trek Domani, you know um mm-hmm. Can you use use them um, Marla as well Villiers, um, but you can also find them on, you know, on, on lighter commuter bikes. Um, the and then rivals to to the rear hub. You're now looking to FSA have their their system. That's um, right. Yeah. Which is really, you know, um, I was quite impressed with that. I rode that on a prototype um, built onto a Pinarello. I was quite impressed with it. Similar levels of, of assistance to to like e bike motion Marla's system. Uh, and Fazua, which is a you know ultra lightweight mid mount system, but I would now say that the things have stepped forward with Marla's new with new, the new X20. Because the downsides of having a rear hub motor, and this mm. goes the same because Bafang do a, a rear, mm-hmm. quite a whole wide range of rear hub motors as well. Um, but the downside of them is you kind of needed um specific dropouts because the motors bolt on, yeah. Um and so, it, you know, the back end of the bike became a bit ungainly. It's quite difficult when you're trying to change, you know, fix a, fix a puncture, et cetera, because you need to be carrying like 15-mil cone spanners to undo the bolts. Right? There's connectors to unplug, you know, and so it, it you know, not difficult, but a bit, a bit of a faff. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the new X20, the motor's much smaller. It's torqueier. It's got a better range, and it works off a standard through axle. And right, it's okay. also got like a a, a a quick release connection system. So literally, when you pull the rear wheel out, it unplugs itself. When you push the wheel, the wheel back in, okay,
0: because it the batteries are in the frame. Battery's mounted in the back, okay. tube, Yeah,
1: it's really, you know, it's a really, really clever system. There, right. you know, the new X20. I'm, I'm currently testing it at the minute, yeah, um, and I, I have been really impressed with it. You know, it's kind of, and you are now starting to see. You know, video just announced a bike with it on, and it's like, you know, it's just over ten kilos. You know, so mm. it's like, you know, they're starting to get some really, really yeah. nice lightweight like way proper road bikes with with just that little bit of assistance
0: yeah you know okay well um we very briefly touched on the diy options i think this is worth sort of talking about because you know e-bikes are expensive there's no getting away from that they, they do cost a lot of money and if you you know if you're looking to replace a bike that you already have with an e-bike you're, you're looking at a couple of grand very easily You're looking at a couple of grand unless you go for something like you know the entry level carreras which might be what 11 12 1300 quid they're expensive but if you already have a bike that's perfectly good to use, got some you know nice components on there, it's comfortable, you've had it for a long time, whatever it is, or you just don't want to buy a new e bike for thousands of pounds, there are some DIY conversion options out there, which I think it's probably fair to say are not going to be performance oriented. You know, if, if you're really looking for sort of a performance e bike, whether it's on road or off road, they're going to be compromised quite heavily. But if you are looking for getting around town, um, some of the bolt-on options might be worth considering. I think we are looking at doing some sort of big test of these coming up at some point, it's obviously it's quite a lot of work. But yeah, the two that sort of sprung to my mind would be the Bafang bottom bracket motor system, which effectively you, I believe you replace the cranks with the things you need on the crank and then have like a bolt-on motor, which then drives everything. And the switch system, which has a handlebar-mounted battery and controller, and then you buy effectively a new front wheel um, with the motor integrated into the front hub. Um, and you just replace the wheel that you have with that. Have either have you used any of these systems or yeah, thought about yeah, them?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, there are a fair few out there now. Like Switch, I would say the benefits of that are really small, compact battery that dismounts mm. you from your bars. It's quite stylishly designed. It is, yeah. Um, but you do have to have that front wheel built. Mm-hmm. Sorry for banging the mic there. Um, <laughs> and uh, Bafang. There you also do a front, front hood motor system. Mm-hmm. The advantages of that are there's lots and lots of battery options with those. Okay. You know, you can get a 250, a 500, a 750, a thousand, mm. you know. So, um, but I would say with the Bafang, it does look a bit homemade. Yeah. And there's a hell of a lot of cables that right. you've got to sort of manage. Um, Bafang also do, as you said, crank based one. Mm. There's also um, guys like Tong Sheng that mm-hmm. do a very similar system. Yeah. Um, Pendex do an e-drive like crank based e-drive system which is actually quite nice you mm-hmm. know, it looks looks um, a bit more evolved um and then there's a uh, there's Cytronics. Okay. Um, the Citronics. okay the Citronic system I've tried on a road bike on a hybrid bike and on a and on a brompton been really impressed with that mm-hmm. as, um and and as part of their ordering system you basically tell them what front where you want and they'll build it for you right um and they'll they'll fit it to your bike or they'll send it to you and the fittings actually quite simple they've uh-huh. much much reduced um uh, sort of cabling system mm-hmm. on that um, and a really really clever speed measurement guide mm-hmm. which is effectively like a um it's almost like a sort of almost like a laser that you mount onto the rear chainstay that points at the cassette right and so it sees what gear you're in uh, and okay. matches the speed to that it's very cleverly done right. yeah very yeah. neat um and then there's even they, 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 but then there's like the ruby x if you've seen that like literally just mounts on your seat post and drives your rear, drives uh, okay. your rear tire.
0: Right, almost like a reverse of um, something Jack Luke would use to power his lights. Dynamite. Dynamite,
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: Um,
1: but then I would say, well, the, the Ruby is different because that will just clip on and off. But all those other systems, I would say that once you fitted it, even though they will say, hey, you can take it off and turn your bike back to normal, you won't mm. because there's so many cables there's so much zip tying going mm. and all that sort of stuff it's not a simple easy quick job right. and there's one unit out there that I've been really really impressed with which should be commercially available at part of next year and that's the Scarpa okay. you know, and that uh, mounts onto your chain stay, all you need to do is change your rear brake rotor, the rear yeah. brake, brake rotor handles braking but also handles drive, Right. it's got a really nice sort of key system Yeah. and that thing's like less than 3 kilos, it Clicks on and off in like 30 seconds. Yeah. Um, it's completely wireless.
0: That's the one that Chris Hoy has been involved with. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that one, you know, I've, I've ridden that, you know, I've, I've spent a few hours riding that round. Oh, okay. And been really, really impressive. Brilliant. I'm yeah. waiting to get a hold of a like full production one to, right. the, to give it a really good Great stuff. try out. But that's, that's the only one that I see that's out there where you could put it on your, your own bike, mm-hmm. ride it to work every day during the week, take it off at the weekend. You've still got your own off bike. Off you go. You know, yeah. Because all that it leaves on there is, uh, the rotor, a, a slightly different rotor that's got a, you know a, the the inner spider of the rotor effectively becomes a bit of a drive unit. Right. So it adds in total, I think, three hundred grams to your bike when when the motor's not brilliant.
0: Yeah, okay. Um, there's a few things that have sort of popped up in the last sort of five minutes. That I want to just uh, touch on with you, Alex. <laughs> One is sensors. Um, so where. Where does the information for the amount of power that is required to be put in come from? Is it from the cranks? Is it from the rear rotors? That sort of thing. And how is it found? Obviously, there's magnets, but I'll let you sort of get into that. Uh, and also, batteries. Can they be replaced? And um, What size batteries are there? Because mountain bikes, for example, you know, you have ones on top. You have ones inside. Some of them need a key. Some of them need a bolt. Some of them you can remove. Some of them you can't remove. Go.
2: Blimey. <laughs> okay. So, the sensors. Like we said earlier, there's the torque sensor. Um, this is inside the motor um, and it, it measures how much torque you're putting in basically you know it, it'd be like having a having a power meter on your mm-hmm. bike essentially um, and you know it, it allows the motor to work out how much you're doing and what it needs to do depending on how you've got it set yeah so the spicier you've got your motor set the more it will give when you give mm. um, some motors have different mapping so the Bosch one's really good for this the harder you pedal on a Bosch the more it gives back mm-hmm so regardless of your cadence, if you're giving it beans and you're mm-hmm. in turbo, it's going to give you all those beans back up to the speed limiter. The Shimano works a little differently. It prefers higher cadences. Mm-hmm. And generally, the harder the rider pedals, the the less the motor works. Okay. Um, and this is, it feels natural. It feels great. It just requires a bit of getting used to when you're back-to-backing the Bosch and the Shimano with each other. Mm. They definitely operate in a in a, in a very different way. Different way. Um, that's not to say that one's better than the other by mm-hmm. any means. Um, the other sensor is a speed sensor. Mm-hmm. This is frequently attached to the disc rotor, right? Um, and there's a little, you know, counterpart magnet by the by the rear dropout. But it can also be attached to the spokes or mm-hmm. sometimes the tubeless valve. Okay. Yeah, this is a new one that I've seen. It was on the the Pollevoimer. Yeah. That had the speed sensor on the tubeless valve, and the 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 the, the, the magnet sensor yeah. inside the bike was somewhere inside the frame. You couldn't see it. Um, so, you know, things you need to think about is the speed sensor in a place where you can get it knocked off. Is it damaged? If on a mountain bike you snap your spokes, so you're going to lose your speed sensor. Is the bike mm. going to be inoperable? Um, because without that information, without the speed, it's, it's not I going to work, right?
0: Early days of certainly when there were a lot more spoke based magnets, quite often you'd be like, oh, why, is, why is my bike not working? Yeah. What's going on? It's just because the magnets like rotated or being knocked down yeah. or something like that. So a lot of them now, like I noticed, they are... So there's a lot of rotors now come with like a little cutout ready to accept those magnets yeah. and the spec that I was doing my brakes testing on has like a little add-on um where you're sort of in the six bolt thing there's like a little tag that you sort of bolt in place
2: yeah and the the Shimano steps rotors the specific steps rotors have inbuilt magnets Oh, uh, okay so they' they're all center lock however none of them are six bolt mm. they're all center lock so you know you got your you need a center lock hub or an adapter. I no, no you can't do six bolts center lock you can't do it that way around no, no way, well, you don't need an adapter no you don't need an adapter get about it you need a new hub um, yeah so uh... my little little irks is center lock not a fan oh right yeah it's easy though you only need one you only need one tool which is not going to carry with you on the trail yeah this is also true <laughs> uh, anyway we uh, diverge um, digress digress whatever quite a bit as per usual so yeah the, those are the main sensors I mean if you're looking at like full-on integration so shimano's latest uh mountain bike drivetrain the ep 8.1 and the ep6 they use um their link glide drivetrain and i'm going to get all the names wrong but basically it's it's a di2 system that mm-hmm. can pre-shift and pre-select gears mm. so there's way more sensors going on there mm. you know it, it kind of it's it's trying to understand what you're doing depending on your pedaling cadence your power or gear you're in because the derailleur is electronic so it knows all about that Heck. Right. Yeah, and what was your second question? Batteries. Talk us through batteries. So
0: back in the day, when I first started riding e-mountain bikes, it was a a Bosch 500 watt hour battery that sat on top of the down tube and you had a key, which meant you could take the battery off to charge it on a charger in your house. Mm -hmm. Things have now progressed. So some brands are still doing batteries that are built into the frame and cannot be removed. So if you want to charge your bike, got to take your bike in the house or you've got to have a plug outside in your garage or your shed. Yeah. Some of them allow the batteries to slip out the bottom of the down tube. Yeah. Specialised early ones needed like a six or four mil Allen key to release it and it would drop out and fall on your foot and hurt quite a lot. <laughs> um, there's all sorts of different methods and madnesses of doing it.
2: Yeah, I, I think like the the most common one, um, for use of a better term, is like a down tube window. I'd mm-hmm. say so for bikes that have batteries in their down tubes, there's there's a cutout, mm-hmm. so the tube is no longer a tube. It's like a a, a cross section, an mm-hmm. I beam style shape, I guess, and the battery literally clips into the bottom or the side. You know, Trek bikes, they they load into mm-hmm. the side of the bike, um, and this means that you can charge it off the bike. They're easy to remove. But the downside is that you have more connectors. There's more potential for water, for dirt, for you know things that electricity doesn't like mm-hmm. to get in there. Um, the fully sealed ones, however, as soon as water does enter the frame, can it get out of the frame? Mm. You know, and there's you know, there's a whole whole can of worms there to open. I believe Orbea's rise. You have to remove the motor in order to remove the battery. Right, like it's in there. You charge it on the bike. It's in the bike. You, you know, you deal with it. A lot of the other ones um, have like quick release systems. So Bosch's latest um, rail system, uh, which was co-developed with White Bikes, I believe. Um, there's a rail inside the down tube that's not structurally integral to the bike. Okay. The mode, the, the sorry the the battery slides onto the rail mm-hmm. and is fixed in place with uh, basically like, like a small clip mm-hmm. that you can unclip and then the battery slides out the bottom of the bike and it's a really great system. It's mm-hmm. kind of tool free. Um, yeah, it's, it's really good. Okay. I think that's kind of, um, you know, and, and then oh, you said, you said about keys as well. Um, so, uh, a lot of bikes still actually have keys, um, cause it's a security issue. That battery, they're worth a lot of money, yeah. like a, a 750 watt hour Bosch battery. They're around a, a thousand pounds, yeah, a thousand yeah. euros, thousand dollars, something like that. Um, so, you know, you want to be able to secure that properly. So you either want it locked in your bike or you want to be able to remove it from your bike. Um, and then you own the key, so that it can't mm. then be locked into mm. another bike. Um, uh, you know, so yeah, you know, c- keys are keys are a good thing. They might look a bit weird. You know, you've mm-hmm. got your little key for your mountain bike, but don't laugh. You know, no one wants to get the battery stolen. No one
0: wants the battery stolen. And we'll leave you to sort of make up your own minds about you know what kind of e bike you might want, whether you want to get one or not. Because there's a lot of emotional um, things connected to e bikes. It seems people are still annoyed by e bikes, which yeah. you do, you. Um, you do you. The thing I wanted to ask, though, is reliability, warranties, that sort of thing, because e-bikes don't have the best reputation. I've certainly broken numerous e-bikes by riding through puddles. Um, They don't always work so well. But this is back in the day, because I don't actually ride a huge number these days. So what do we need to know about reliability, warranties, that sort of thing? Warren, on the road, gravel side of things, is it generally sort of fairly reliable systems now, or are we still suffering?
1: I can't think of the last time I had there an issue a major issue with any. I had uh, um, I've had a couple, no I've only had the one um, E-bike motion based bike because it's got a controller called the iWalk, which is basically oh. a button that fits into the top tube mm-hmm. where you cycle through all the um, the different modes. I had one of those go down um, where the button was just inoperative but that was a quick call, sent out a replacement button, it was undo a Torx bolt it out, pull the connector out, push that one back on, put it, plug it back in. It's good to go. Um, but I, I would say that, like, you know, reliability on most e bikes now is pretty good. You know, my own personal, you know, my own personal e bike, which is a you know, is a custom built steel bike with a mm. I think first generation Shimano motor on it, um, with the Enduro battery. I mean, I've just ticked over 3,200 mm-hmm. 3, miles on it. Okay. Um, because basically it's five thousand k. Yeah, it's my basically car replacement. Yeah. Um, it's what I normally use to commute on and everything. And I've never had an issue with it. Nice. N- never had it one issue at all with it yeah. with the e system on it. It's been bulletproof. Yeah. And that's twenty four seven, all weathers, yeah. all conditions.
0: My, I had um a Bergamont hybrid bike, uh, which I rode for about eighteen months, I think. As again, day in day out, I was pulling trailers with it commuting in all weathers I think I probably looped the chain three times in that time because looping the chain was a bit of a pain because it's got a motor and you spin the pedals and nothing happens because you know all that sort of jazz and it had a chain chain guy protector thing on it so I just never looped it it made quite a lot of noise for quite a long time but it always worked <laughs> um so that's a benefit I guess mountain bikes
2: yeah I, I think um I've learned some I've learned some lessons the hard way yeah uh washing bikes if you're so inclined to wash your bike I would 100% recommend washing your e-bike. Jet
0: bike, jet wash, jet wash. Definitely
2: not with a jet wash. A nice little hose pipe and maybe a brush and a bucket of water. Do it the right way up. So Uh, put it in a bike bike stand, clamp it up there and wash your bike the correct way up because that's the way they're designed to be. For water to roll off. Exactly. As soon as you turn them upside down, water gets in all the cables yeah. and stuff and then you're looking at problem. The other thing is is when the bike's built. So it could be a um, you know, a building problem. They've either pinched a cable or something's mm. not quite right. And what that's doing is it, it's, you know, causing an electrical short or something like that. Yeah. So um, you know, if at all possible, get your local bike shop who you're maybe buying your bike from to check it over before you ride it out, you know, just to check that all the cables are okay. They're not getting pinched somewhere. There's nothing horrible. Um if you're super like on it. Like, like I am, mm. well, I'll admit that I am, uh, dielectric grease, which is also known as tune-up grease that they use okay. in the in the motor industry hey. with an American accent, apparently. Um, this can go on all electrical connectors, and it basically stops water getting onto electrical connectors yeah. and creating electrical shorts. Okay, So in any little electrical terminal that you've got on your e-bike, whether that's between the battery, the motor, the little cables to the screen, mm. whatever, put dielectric grease in there, mm-hmm. and suddenly water can't get in there.
0: Nice. Vaseline, similar thing, right?
2: I don't know if Vaseline's an electrically conductive don't quote material me like that. or not. I'm uh, <laughs> Pretty uh,
0: sure I've used vaseline.
2: Maybe so. I, I at least 100 percent know that dielectric grease use is electrically the, use conductive the proper stuff. It's
0: worth a fibre.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, what we would what we would say is any 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 kind of electric system, um, it's the ancillaries that tend to
0: uh-huh.
1: you know, tend to go wrong because of water ingress, mm-hmm. or as you know, Alex said, you know, cables getting pinched, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, or accidental damage. When you're actually looking at the motors effectively brush the system so there's not really there's nothing really wearing it wearing Mm. out or wearing it out it'll be the ancillaries that bolt to the motor that are more likely to create a problem I mean you will see a tail off in battery performance yeah Uh, you know like my I'd say my own bike you know my Shimano bike which I say has the enduro battery on it when when I first had it I was getting probably 90 95 miles between charges Mm -hmm. incredibly efficient that's now down to I would say 60 65 okay so yeah Batteries do age and they do, you know, mm. they do tail off. But um, I've got no, uh, I feel no ill will to the but the, the way that the battery yeah, yeah. has lasted. You know, I think it's, pretty, it's done lasted.
0: its job. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I guess it's worth saying that you know if you're buying an e-bike new, take good have a good look at the warranties, make sure that they're sort of fair. Um, it's possibly quite a good idea still to buy from a bike shop or I buy from a brand with a you know, at least a backup, local yeah. local backup. And if you are buying second hand, check the original Ts and Cs um, because warranties do are used, especially if we're looking secondhand. Is it transferable? All that sort of stuff. Because when they go wrong, it's not always cheap yeah, to get it
2: fixed. Frequently the answer is replacement
0: rather than repair. Yeah.
2: Although there are third party repairers out there. Yeah, so it's,
0: it's growing. It's growing. Okay. Well um, I think that will cover us off for now. Obviously, if you've got any questions about e-bikes, don't forget podcast at bikerader.com. Um, and if there's anything particularly pertinent, maybe we'll go into one of our tech Q and A podcasts that we record on a monthly basis, and we'll be having another one of those coming out in a few weeks' time. So, uh, anything e-bike related, pop them through, and anything non e-bike related, pop them through too. We always love getting your questions and occasionally answer them
2: um, <laughs> with, with some form of authority, with some form at least. Of authority. We'll answer them all the time, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: um, but yeah, thank you ever so much, Warren, and thank you, Alex, for your input, um, and thank you very much for listening.
2: Thank you.